is a fellow Midwesterner. She's killing it in the Michigan game up north. And we have with us Carrie Dreyer. We sort of stuck our foot in the water with one little condo in downtown Traverse City, Michigan. I fell in love with it quickly and we continue to grow. We really specialized in those condo spaces in the same area. You are an OG of OGs starting back in 2015. Just want to get like a quick little bit of like, what, what's your perspective on how have things shifted from 2015 up to like now 2024 moving forward? Yeah, it was such a different time. I mean, when we started, I was still putting stuff on Craigslist, but what it really taught me is to like listen to my gut. So I was able to just be like, I'm going to go off these decisions because this is what I want. We love our community so much and we love like having that just experience for our guests, not only to like benefit our community, benefit our economy, but benefit our guests from like staying in a rental versus a hotel. But we really want them to feel like they're living like a local. I've kind of like beat myself up over the years of like, why didn't we move faster? Like, why didn't we go forward? And honestly, we wouldn't have been ready. It Something like this takes a ton of money and a lot of time and resources. And you don't ever want to like cut corners on something this large. What is up, everybody? We are back today with another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. And we have a very special guest with us today because she is a fellow Midwesterner. She's killing it in the Michigan game up north. And we have with us Carrie Dreyer. Carrie, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I got started back in 2015. Um, we sort of like stuck our foot in the water with one little condo in downtown Traverse City, Michigan. I fell in love with it quickly and we continued to grow. We really specialized in those um, condo spaces, um, kind of in the same area. And then most recently in the last two years, we built and renovated um, individual houses kind of in the same area, but it expanded out a little bit. So now we're up to nine rentals that we own. Um, and then last year we started a property management company where we are starting to take on property management clients and cleaning clients and maintenance clients and starting to like build up our team because we have a big project um, hopefully starting in the next year um, of a resort that's going to go about 20 or 45 minutes north of Trevor City. So we're kind of like gearing up for that to happen, but getting all of our systems in place. So it's not just me. <laughs> um, I've realized that um, I can't do it all. So it's been nice to build a team. There's been lots of challenges with that too, but I think we're in a good spot leading into 2024. Amazing. That's so David, so you know where to pull. Yeah, if anybody's been if anybody's been listening to us, they know that all Yoni and I have been talking about is development. So I'm sure that's probably all we're going to talk about today because that's super exciting. But I mean, like you are an OG of OGs, you know, starting back in 2015. Just want to get like a quick little bit of like what what's your perspective on how have things shifted from 2015 up to like now 2024 moving forward? Like the difference between how was Airbnb, how were like short successful short-term rental companies run back then and how do like successful companies need to be now since it's so much more competitive? Yeah, it was such a different time. I mean, when we started, I was still putting stuff on Craigslist. I We did have Airbnb and we had VRBO. VRBO was the winner at the time. Um, 
people were just starting to get used to Airbnb. It was a lot younger demographic. It's definitely now switched where most of our bookings are Airbnb and then VRBO second. And then we have direct booking and Google vacation. Um, but we really didn't have anything. Like we didn't have all the software that we have in place now to like analyze deals. I mean, my husband's uh, ethical computer hacker. So he was like scraping data and comparing it to hotels. Thankfully, our first um, handful were all like comparable to that. I, I have to, I have to jump in and say I have a lot of experience with that, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, so it's a different time. I mean, good and bad, really. Like we could, I, I didn't have professional pictures, I think until like maybe 2018, 2019. I literally had iPhone pictures. You put it up there in a book up. Um, we weren't as booked in the winter. Um, so we would long-term rent that. I'm seeing that happening now again, where it's starting to, to turn where, where our off-season rentals are lower after COVID sort of calmed down. Um, but yeah, now there's so much more things to analyze data. But what it really taught me is to like listen to my gut. So I was able to just be like, I'm going to go off of these, these decisions because this is what I want instead of putting it into a software being like, no, this is what people want. They want a hot tub. They want this. They want this. So... It kind of let me do what I wanted to do and be creative in my spaces. And I didn't put TVs in my bedrooms because I didn't like TV, you know, just that kind of stuff. So now it's definitely changed more where we're having to really pay attention to, you know, our listings, um, pay attention to the amenities, pay attention to marketing. Um, we put a direct booking site up and thought like, oh, everyone's just going to direct book. We have a good following. And it's you've got to really establish that relationship with people that's i mean that's why airbnb is so successful everyone knows it it's like mm -hmm. they know that they're going to be protected they know that like they can call someone get someone on the phone if the listing isn't right um so direct booking hasn't gone as great as i thought it would when we just put it up on our website so yeah. it really takes a lot of intentionality around that so david, oh, david can i jump in yeah um it just i, I want to get deeper on that last comment so um, we got a chance to talk to Mark from Boostly and I really loved a lot of the things that he said because I actually have not personally dealt with direct booking. So this is the first time on the podcast we've talked with somebody that, that is doing it. What are some of the things that you're going to do when, to use the words, establish the relationship? Those are the words you used. Is there, are there digital digital actionable things that you did to where you saw it go like this or is it just like one-on-one -on -one knife fighting with guests being like no go to that link is there yeah so really there's like steps that you need to take and i sorry i took my glasses off so i'm gonna keep doing this um <laughs> so basically there's steps so we had to find a property management system that did direct booking um, we started out with Hospitable, worked really well. They have a really good direct booking site, um, help you with the payments and things like that. Um, but then we wanted to property manage for other people, so we moved to HostAway. So now we're established on that, and it allowed at the time, I think Hospitable is now being competitive, but allowed it to push out to Booking.com, Google Vacation, um, Expedia, kind of any of those other channels that you want. Um, so we started there and then we already had a website. We were just directing people to Airbnb, but that didn't make sense because we were putting so much time into our SEO and, 
you know, our, our marketing on there. We, we have a blog post and things like that of things to do in the area. Um, and we direct people there a lot. Um, so we were like, well, this doesn't make sense. If we're doing the marketing, <laughs> we should be getting the direct book benefits. Um, so yeah, some of the things that we're doing in order to drive that is really like engaging with our, our current guests so that they can rebook. So we'll do that in the units. We'll let them know that, hey, if you rebook, it's going to be cheaper for you. It's going to be cheaper for us. We've even done like discount codes because even at 10%, it still saves us money from mm -hmm. the fees. Um, and we've done like getting, making sure we're getting email addresses before you could get them really easily from Airbnb. Now Airbnb is making it challenging. So um, we're coming up with creative ways. I know there's tools um, to do that. We haven't really loved that where you have to like log in before you get on the internet. We mm -hmm. just don't want to cause any more challenges for people. Um, so we're trying to find ways to like entice them to get on our email list. So doing, making sure we're doing like newsletters, emailed to them, doing a lot of social media posts, um, a lot of like things to enrich our website. So if we go to say like, hey, here's some things to do in the area, we always kind of link our units that are near that. So if we're saying like, hey, Lake Ann Brewing is a really cool spot and you can go here and here and there's an A-frame that you can stay at and like linking to that. So those are some things that we've been working on to really, again, establish that trust with our with our guests that haven't stayed with us yet or that are returning to just really let them know like you're gonna get taken care of with us one just one follow-on question and I, and I gotta hand the uh i'm gonna hand the mic back to david um can you tell the guests who are listening to this concept for the first time why it is so important to build an email list as it relates to having a direct bo bo booking channel to your business meaning you have the airbnb channel the vrbo channel probably maybe a booking.com channel and now a direct booking why is the email list important can you talk about that yeah it's it's probably one of the most important things to be honest especially if you are growing your portfolio or kind of any way to keep in touch with that guest because like i said those channel management or booking sites really try to restrict that communication um so it's really important like we've been able to use it when we've put a new property online or if we've added we added a hot tub to our a-frame so we're able to communicate with the guest on an ongoing basis um so that's been really really important to gather those and like i said there's there's definitely a lot of creative ways to get it but to really show them that you're not going to spam them this is something that's going to benefit them as as a consumer um, has been really helpful for us. But yeah, it's it's probably one of the most important things. We thankfully were scraping that when Airbnb still allowed us to get the guests email. So we're, I think we have like maybe 500, 600 emails just from there, which nice. is pretty awesome. I, I, I just thought of something and like, you know, you have a good relationship in the community because you know the area really, really well. Wonder if you could get like some, like the breweries or the coffee shops or something on board to where it's like, hey, if you sign up with this email, you'll get, you know, one free coffee at whatever coffee shop down the road. And you just like make a like, hey, we'll pay you a hundred bucks a month to let us do this or something like that. Just to then collect even more emails. Yeah, that's a really great idea. And we actually do have, we love our community so much and we love like having that just experience for our guests, not only to like benefit our community, benefit our economy, but benefit our guests from like 
staying in a rental versus a hotel. Like, yes, some hotels have concierge and all of that, but we really want them to feel like they're living like a local. So we already love to like, we have little gift certificates that we leave um, that will say like, go get a free cookie from the local cookie shop, which was new. And we wanted to be able to do that because it helps them and it helps us. Um, so I love that idea. We've also enticed them that we would give them a code, like a discount code if they gave us their email. So it's almost like, hey, if you want to get on the internet, give us your email, but you still can get on there if you want to bypass it so that we're not having like our property manager being all stressed out about like they can't get on the internet or they don't want to security wise. Yeah. I mean, there's some of the demographic that we have, like even on Airbnbs, really, they don't want to put their ID. They don't want to do some of those steps. And I totally understand that. So we're mm -hmm. trying to like do this fine balance of we're not trying to steal your information. <laughs> we're trying to make it a benefit for you. So yeah, definitely positioning it that way. Um, the other piece of the direct booking going off of that is, again, Airbnb does protect the host. They do screening. They have all these things that you can put in place. And so you have to make sure that you have what you feel comfortable in place. Because again, there are softwares like Superhog but they are gonna ask them for all that information, for their ID, for you know their phone number, their email. And it again, that's that trust thing. It, it feels a little uncomfortable. So it's that fine balance of like, what information do you need and really have to have, one, to protect yourself, and two, to be communicating with them in the future, but then what's gonna hold them back from being like, I don't wanna book with you. I don't know if you, what you're going to do with my information. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's so like uh, uh scam hesitant now that everybody thinks that, oh. you know, with all the texts that you get and all the spam emails and blah, 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 everybody's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen with this. So yeah, I can see how that could be a little bit of a struggle. Um, so once you started shifting into developments, when did that happen? Like what was the first development project? How did it go that it encouraged you to at least keep going? Because a lot of people, like whenever they get into developments, they Yoni's in the throes of it right now. You kind of get kicked in the gut a few times. So how did, how did it go for the first go around and how did you keep going? Yeah, so really our first one ended up being in Northport, which is down from where our future development's going to be. Um, and we built that as a rental. So I was kind of went through the whole process just to sort of, again, like teach myself how to do it. It was residential. And then we ended up loving it and COVID happened. And I'm like, you know what? I want a place for myself that I don't have to be moving around. And um, so we ended up living in that one. We currently live in that one. Maybe someday we will rent it out. Um, so that was our very first one. And then we bought the property. So our our commercial resort property is right down the road. It's, I think, almost 14 acres. And we sort of sat on that for a little bit. Um, we decided to, okay, we can get a special use permit to do weddings before we're mm. ready to actually go full force on building. Got that all approved. It took almost a year to go through the townships. Like some of that stuff is just so challenging when you're dealing with small towns. Can I pause you on that? So that's always something like that seems like, at least in my own experience as well, that's like a roadblock. As soon as it like that first like wall comes up, that first barrier comes up of like, you got to talk to the county or you got to get a special use permit. I think a lot of people, they just kind of like check out and they're like, I'm going to try and figure something else out. So like, how did that process go? Like, I don't know if we've actually yeah. talked to anybody that had to go through that whole process. No, I didn't. And honestly, it was a really good learning curve. We ended up like getting it approved during COVID. And then 
we were like, well, we're not going to do weddings. Like I'm already refunding my guests for the stays. Like we got all of our permits pulled actually downtown Traverse City during COVID. So I was having to refund people. So I was like, the last thing I want to do is have to refund guests so I'm, or brides. So I'm glad that that like didn't work or ended up like not getting approved sooner because then we would have had all these <laughs> weddings. Refunding planned. a $20,000 wedding or something. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. So it is, it really is, a. it's about relationships. It really is. And it really is about grit. Like th this is something that I knew that I wanted to do. Like I was, I, I don't have experience being like not near it because I was able to literally show up in the office of the yeah. township when they weren't responding to me. Because a lot of these small towns around where I am, you have one person that's in charge of four townships. Hmm. So there you have to vie for them, their attention. Like we, I was literally like showing up waiting sometimes an hour to get a response. Um, and just really being like kind and nice and really understanding the rules is important. Um, and that the by the the special use is the hardest. So our land by right, you can build a resort. So it really prepped me when I decided like, okay, now we're, now we've got this approved, now COVID's happening, let's just go get this approved for like what we actually want. And so we went through the process of getting our buy right, like our, what the land can do. So there's really no objection to it. So the special use, you can get objections from the community. There just ends up being a lot of challenges because if the township decides that the community doesn't want you there it's almost like the decision's already been made to be honest mm, like they can say we have that happening with a couple other developments that are trying to get a special use um for a resort and they've gotten in their head that they don't like it the community and they have a lot more time a lot of those people are retired so they can show up to all the township meetings they can send emails so we really, when we were buying land, we really looked at the, the use of the land so that we wouldn't have those roadblocks. So that was the first thing, but it was still a challenge. I mean, we're hundreds of thousands of dollars into this project and we haven't even broken ground. Like between our architect designing it, our civil engineer, um, getting like all the approval like all of the approvals set mm -hmm. and ready so it wasn't really a challenge when the buy right happened it was just time okay. and really putting together like think of like a project for school just making sure that you put like everything that you could possibly put into it um so that they couldn't come back to you on anything so, so i just put together like the most complete presentation like they were like I no one's ever thought about all of these details and I'm like I didn't want to give you any reason to like kick this back that's it that's so interesting so uh so it was by right so in my brain it should just be like oh yeah it's by right so you should just be able to start building tomorrow so like what what things did you need to have before I mean like you guys still you know like are in the process of getting ready to start building so you've been going through this for a while now what have been kind of like the biggest hang-ups that people should know about yeah, so really looking at your, I think the basic in any sort of investing in short-term rentals, probably not so much like long-term, but it's still worth, is like checking with the township, getting all the documentation, looking through that. I think people have this perception 
that like they, yeah, like you did, like this is by right. I can do whatever I want. Or like I bought this property so I can do it. And that can get people in trouble. And again, with these smaller, I'm sure it happens any everywhere, but like with these smaller townships, you have a lot of ego mm. <laughs> that plays into it. So when you just do whatever you want, like they can make your life really miserable. Totally. Um, so again, those like relationship building. And if they see you really looking through that, coming really prepared. And so with buy right, we looked through and was like, what's approved or not? So like a restaurant would have been a special use. So we could have still done the resort, but if we wanted to add any food and beverage, it could have added a challenge. Yeah. So it's like really looking through that and kind of shaving off those other things. Can we add those later? Probably. Like once we have established place, we have a good relationship, they see that it's being successful. I'm sure we could add those things on. Um, so yeah, I would really look into like, what the property zoned, what that looks like. Can you still do things in special use permitted spaces? Absolutely, but it's going to add a lot more challenges and it's a I, lot more risky. I would add one thing, Carrie, what you're talking about, I've experienced myself and creating an ally out of somebody who has a monopoly on decision making over a large piece of large area of the state is hard. And one thing that you mentioned is that you go into the that you're going into the office. I would encourage the the listeners of this particular segment, especially this segment, to know that it is worth spending the money on a hotel or a motel to be in that area to wait it out. Because carry the advantage of just walking of going in, but if you don't have the advantage of going in, you should create that advantage of going in. I think it's worth the thousand dollars of motel stays to wait it out until they finally feel confident in giving you the permits. From my experience, I just wanted to add to what you said. I thought what you said, Carrie, was beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that that like leads to another question. I, I've kind of like beat myself up over the years of like, why didn't we move faster? Like, why didn't we go forward? And honestly, like we wouldn't have been ready. Like it, something like this takes a ton of money um, and a lot of time and resources and so like and you don't ever want to like cut corners on something this large like we can have we're approved based on our acreage to have 18 rental cottages plus employee housing a lodge laundry facilities a pool hot tub so it's like a huge deal so it's I didn't want to cut any corners on that and we would not have been able to like do it successfully and do it the right way to get it all designed and planned out if we wouldn't have been as far along in our journey and have that income from our other rentals to do it. So that would be my other advice is just, it always takes more money and time um, than you think. So <laughs> what, what do you think the things were that like held you up the most? Like what took the most time that you like maybe weren't anticipating from the beginning? Was it like, oh, getting the, the septic approved, getting this approved or what, like which, which parts were like the most, uh, the most difficult whenever you were going through it or like took them more time than you were anticipating? Everything. <laughs> no, literally kind of like every stage sort of like you ran into things and you're like, I didn't even think about that. Or like, I didn't even know that that was something that, so even with the civil engineer figuring out the septic figuring out the well all of that there's and i don't know if this is everywhere so i don't want to like i want to put a disclaimer on that but where we are if you go over a certain amount with like how many toilets you have or if you need fire sprinklers or anything like that 
you could push yourself into a community well that's extremely expensive because you have to have someone come like physically check it. It just like shoots you into this whole other realm that is like an ongoing expense, not just like originally, that even originally would be more expensive. So just things like that where you don't even, it's not even something that is on your mind when you're starting that. It's So um, who caught that? Was that the civil engineer or how did you yes. learn about that? Yeah, so the civil engineer really, and that's where those, finding those right partners is really important. So we really partnered up. We had tried an architect firm for another build I didn't even talk about that we did after our Northport build because we didn't use an architect on there. We wanted to try it out. Again, I'm all for like trying things out on like a smaller level before. So I had tried out an, an architect, realized what we needed in one moving forward for this other project, found a really great one who helped. And then she helped us connect us with the civil engineer and just found someone that was super knowledgeable, had done similar size projects to this so that could help us understand mm -hmm. that. Because even fire sprinklers, they're all individual. We're we're actually gonna try to fight it. I don't want to fight it too much because it gives me a little bit. Um, I don't want to jinx anything. Like I don't want anything <laughs> to happen. Like I I used to work for a fire sprinkler company, so it's like I don't want to not have them. But if we can get around, it'd be really nice because that's a whole nother expense. And then again with our well situation, so that's like our kind of our next little hurdle. We have to go in front of the. Um, the fire department or the the the, board the fire marshal, I think, yeah, the fire yeah. marshal, and like talk to him about like here's our deal, here's the situation. The problem is, is we can tell him, hey, there's a project in Traverse City that doesn't have that's similar that doesn't have to have it, and he says like, well, I don't care, I'm in this township, I'm in the mm -hmm. or I'm in this county, I don't care yeah. about that county. So there's a lot of that that. And again, I think what it is, it's just like resilience and grit and just like keep going. I mean, you're going to come up with things that you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even think about that. And you just have to keep moving forward if it's something. And I think that's why you have to have some passion behind that, too, because I can see that people would just give up if they were like doing it for some other alternative motives. It can get really grueling and be like, OK, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. So, I mean, how, how long has it been since like, okay, we like maybe even whenever you just started looking for land until like up until now, how long of a timeline have we had? It's been like five years. So it's been a while, <laughs> but the good thing is, is we bought the land for like 160 K, which is like mm. not like you could not buy that in our Leelana County ever again. So mm. I can't be too mad. Like now it'd be just, we actually, it was for sale by owner. No one bought it someone listed it um, and I was just randomly, I was actually sitting, I'm in one of my condos right now and I was actually sitting in the same condo, like getting it in our head. And actually we originally were looking for land to do some sort of like yurts or dome or some sort of like creative. Kind of like glamping setup. Yeah, almost or but then yeah. the funny part is the land we found, won't. that's a special use permit. Mm. So if we have any temporary buildings, they won't allow it. They have to be like, established yeah. so it's just kind of funny in those things where you don't think about all of those rules and you're like oh well, i could just have put campers up there or i could just put domes up there and they're like no that, yeah. that's yeah so so what are the dwellings gonna are they did, I, did you mention this are they a-frames or what are you gonna put out there we're gonna have a couple we're gonna have so basically we did it where we <laughs> had i think there's like five different designs so like 
five of them. We're going to do it in stages so that we can build kind of five or six at a time mm -hmm. and then go slowly because we really want to try to fund it all of our ourselves. Like we really don't want to, we haven't had to partner with anyone mm -hmm. on any of our rentals, which has made us grow slowly but mm -hmm. now we're at nine units that we fully own and so i i really yeah. like having the control over that i don't really like having to i don't know answer worry that. about more cooks in the kitchen <laughs> totally totally so yeah so we're gonna try to take it um slow but they're all around they ended up being a little bit bigger because i wanted to maximize i'm like okay if we're gonna do this and it's based on how many acres we have with a calculation. I was like, we're going to maximize this. If we can get 18, let's plan for 18. And then, yeah, I think they all ended up being about a thousand square feet. So they're not nice. small. It's going to be, I'm excited. It's, it's hard to go this slow. Um, but just knowing that putting all these things in place is so helpful. I think at the time I was like, I'm going to build this. And I'm going to run it with like a couple interns <laughs> and, <laughs> and now like having nine rentals. I'm like, no, if I want to have a life and like go on vacation and worry about myself in any way, like I need a team of people. So it's been nice to, you know, kind of take it slow a little bit, yeah, on that. but it is yeah. hard to like wait. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Like what will, if you have 18 full units there, you've got a swimming pool, you've got a hot tub, you've got, you know, playground, you've got all of these things that an awesome resort up in northern Michigan would have. What will your team look like? At least like what are you anticipating that you're all going to need? How are you kind of like working towards that to make sure you've got all the people that you need? Yeah, and that's kind of like, again, as I'm learning through talking out loud with you of like just really putting things in place first. So it's like we starting R&R &R Hospitality was is was really to prep ourselves for that so having a internal cleaning team on that level i mean this summer we were cleaning 22 units so just getting an idea mm -hmm. of what that looks like like what does it look like for for washers and dryers what does it look like for laundry like what kind of help do we need um turnovers checking same thing with maintenance like what it just helped us really understand like okay we need like a full shop with you know all the lawn care stuff, all of the yeah. tools. Um, and same thing with our people too. It's like, we need, we have a marketing person now and some social media help. And so we're gonna have to continue to develop that because you can't have a full resort with 18 rentals that like isn't getting any marketing done to yeah. it. Um, and then same thing with property managers. So it's like having those people established now and like putting all those systems in place. like. A lot of that lived in my brain before I hired people mm -hmm. again, because I started, <laughs> you know, eight years ago, eight, more than eight years ago. So a lot of that just lived in my brain of how to do pricing, how to, you know, manage all the units. So now we're really diving down into like everything has an SOP, everything's like really dialed in. So then we can take all of that and apply that to the resort. Amazing. So, I still think I'm a little naive on how much it takes. We have some employee housing there. So I would love um, to have, especially in the summer, like work it out with someone where they want to live there and like help be the boots on the ground, even though I live pretty close to it. Um, that so, doesn't yeah, matter, Carrie. Know. You shouldn't have to live close to it. You should be having somebody taking care of it for you. <laughs> you know, I just want to be able to like show up and and like greet everyone if I want to. I don't really want to, I don't know, it's hard when you start getting yourself out of the nitty gritty to like go back into it. It's really mm -hmm. challenging once you've seen what it feels like to 
not be so tied to your phone because you have someone helping you on like the day-to-day -day messaging or like you can turn your phone off at night. Like I didn't have that for almost over seven years. So mm -hmm. once you start not doing that, it's nice. So I think you start fighting for that though, like you said. And I remember mm -hmm. we talked about this too. You were like, I'm pretending like I can't make it to my units. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then absolutely. what does that look like? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Whenever we, before we took off for nine months for the three months leading up to it, we acted like we didn't live in Fort Wayne. I was not allowed to go to the house no matter what. And so I had to find people to put in place and, uh, we're, we're just about ready to take off again. So now we're, you know, making sure that we've got all those systems in place again. And it, uh, we've said it, my wife and I probably said it three times since we've been here. Like, I wish we weren't here because now, like now that you're in town, even like for whatever reason, whenever something goes wrong, it feels 10 times worse when you're there than, well, I guess it's probably because you're not like in California, like having a beer in a backyard or it's sunny or something. I don't know. But like whenever you're in town, like I think that little nag makes it feel so much worse that you know that you could go there if you needed to. And instead, like if you're out in Arizona or whatever and something's going on in your property, it just, it, it's like a relief because you know, you can't do anything about it. And there has to be people that you can call to take care of it. So then it, it is, it's kind of a, a little bit of a relief because you know that it's not on you. You need to be able to have people in place that can help you. Yeah, and it does take the right people. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this is not a job for everyone. Like, mm -hmm. it, but who it is right for is awesome. But trying to find that, um, and I've been really lucky, but I've also had people that haven't, it hasn't worked out where it's like, that's not, I want to be able to clock in from nine to five and, not worry about it and that's just not the realm we live in it's like you know there's a lot of flexibility that goes into it um but it's still like you have to mm -hmm. be willing to jump around and do a lot of different things be on call be polite <laughs> um which is not always fun when people are using their vacation brain um as we say <laughs> their vacation brain i love that <laughs> yeah so, so yeah so i don't yeah there's a lot that goes into development i think that what I always like to tell people again is I have a couple of friends that are going through it on a little smaller scale, but it's like if you're really passionate about it and you really see the vision for it, like you just kind of got to keep focused on that because us as the visionary are the ones that are going to push it forward. Like if, mm -hmm. yes, I have support. Yes, I have my husband's support and my employees, but if I'm not the one that's being passionate about it and moving it forward, it's not going to move forward. Like it has to be me. So again, I think that ties into like making sure I'm not bogged down with some of those other, other things so that I can stay focused on it. But if it wasn't something that I was really excited to see come to fruition, or if it was just all about the money, I don't know if I would have like, I don't know if we would keep going. I think we'd be like, all right. Yeah. So what kind of like resources have you been, tapping into to try and like help you wade through this process because usually like whenever we start getting into like personal questions it's usually like you know like what kind of books uh, have really like made a big difference like what kind of podcasts have made a big difference or youtube channels or whatever like is there any like resources out there for people that are looking to do what you're doing or is it just kind of like mostly just figuring it out on your own uh like yeah, I mean, I think there is, but I, I know I've talked to a lot of people, about, and we even talked about this before we started going live, of like, if there was a mentorship based just solely on, or a mastermind solely on building, I'm sure there there is stuff out there. I haven't, I've just sort of really relied on people around me, like getting mm -hmm. those experts in place and really questioning them and I do push back a lot like it's not like I just listen to them if they're you know if someone's like 
okay, especially with the fire sprinkler, it's like, okay, do we have to do that or is there an alternative? Like, what can my options be? So I'm always like asking questions, challenging things. I'm not really one to be like, okay, here was the answer and I'm gonna believe it and go forward. I'm not really a no and take no. Take no <laughs> kind of person. Um, so I think there's well, worth figuring that out, but. Sorry, Carrie, I just, <clears throat> sorry. You okay there, um, <laughs> Coffee, heartburn, it's over. Okay, so um, I was going to ask: Did you do you feel that friendships and alliances made a huge difference in you learning the development business? Is that something that helped you skip the line on some problems? Yeah, I think like again, just like putting that good team in place, but like being able to physically like be near them. I think again, like people listening to this, there's still ways to like Zoom with people and just really connect, but really knowing that you're with the right person because especially in something like this like you need to have the right builder you need to have all because it's such a visible project too you're you're kind of under a microscope and our property is right off of like i don't know if you guys have heard of m22 it's kind of like a big deal up in michigan there's like merchandise but it's right off of m22 as you're leading into the town so like we're all eyeballs are on us um, even now, like through the whole process and like now. So just really making sure that you're aligning with people that share your values, you know, are going to be on site and respect the community, um, respect what's going on. So, yeah, I think relationships are huge with that. I think interviewing, testing people out. If you have an opportunity to start with some of these other projects, I know you guys are doing some cool smaller projects, really getting your feet wet. Like it's, it's just, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. That's why most of these big developments are like these big corporations or like, you know, like that's why they can do that. Cause they like have the resources. They probably have more of an unlimited budget or they have a lot of investors. So I think mm -hmm. like starting out that way and just really, I don't know if there's much of a shortcut to be honest. Like I yeah. really think you have to kind of like learn through it and you're going to come by thing. And I'm sure everything's different. Like every project's going to be different yeah. depending on where it's located, what township, what it's zoned, what you're trying to do. It was hilarious. One of, one of the first conversations that Yoni and I had about developments, we were like, because he was already doing the M-Frame in Tennessee, and then we decided we were going to try and do something together. And we just got dreaming about like places where we would want to go. And him and I both, like one of our favorite spots in the world is Malibu. And we're like, oh, let's do, let's do an M-Frame in Malibu. That'd be kick-ass. Let's do that. We got on one phone call with a developer, and he was like, you need to have like two years worth of reserves just to like even just get a permit for anything. Are you guys prepared for that? We're like, no, we're not. We're not prepared for that. And you're like, thank you for telling me that immediately so I didn't, like, go down this whole path, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, and it, uh, I actually just heard on uh, Rogan's podcast. Remember he he mentioned something about the, the Pacific Coast Committee or something like that, Yoni? You remember that – whatever that term was that that guy used. Basically, like, uh, a committee that is right along the coast in Malibu. But if you get above it, then it's not quite as restrictive. I heard on Rogan's podcast he was talking to a guy, and he said that it took 10 years to get a tennis court approved at his house in Malibu. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's insanity. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, picking the right location is huge. And so I think picking a spot that is a little bit smaller, that 
you're not dealing with quite as many cooks in the kitchen like we mentioned to where it's like, oh, there's a city developer. There is a, uh, you know, civil engineer or whatever, like so that you could go sit outside that person's office. And it's not a whole committee of people that you have to convince. It's just like talking to these few people and making sure that you're, uh, you know, bringing honey and not vinegar to the to the solution. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there was so many so many township meetings. And I think that was kind of when we were talking about me getting the special permit approved. It was actually really nice to go through that process because now we can do weddings. Like we are approved to have a 300 person wedding and we can sleep. I think we're going to be able to sleep 120 um, on the property. So it's good to now we have that, but it was nice to go through that process. I was, I mean, they saw me show up like at the meetings, I sat through every meeting, I talked to them, I had relationships with them. So then when I came back, I think they had already had this, they already knew my character, they knew that we were gonna, we lived in the town. So again, everything's a little different. Um, But yeah, just building those relationships, not, I think when you can come in really hot or come in with an ego or any of that stuff, I think you're gonna get your, I can't imagine anywhere that you don't get yourself in trouble with that, to be honest. So if you were if you were going to because now you've kind of gone through like two different iterations of that you've gone through the special use which was very difficult now you've gone through the second iteration of just like by by right or whatever um, if you let's say that you were going to do a development in Sedona Arizona like something far away what what do you think your confidence level would be now that you've put in a few reps with it of like I'm gonna do a development similar to this but it's gonna be you know a plane right away it's not a drive that I can get to easily. Yeah, I think I could be prepared to get it like approved because I would know like the research and the time and effort that it took to like get to that point. But now we're into like, now we haven't even talked about the money, like finance side of it. And that is a challenge too. Like when you were talking about the reserve thing, um, we looked at a lot of different options for that and it it's very challenging. We've looked into SBA loan, mm-hmm. um, but they had a lot of restrictions. I, mm. I think they wanted you to get it done in maybe two phases, three max, and they wanted the first phase to have a lodge and just all these requirements where I'm like, I can't do like the lodge makes no money yeah. and I'm not going to be able to do it in two, like two phases. Um, and then the comps are really mm. hard too. So like in my mind, it's great that there's no comps because there's a need to yeah. have something like that in yeah. our area. But when I was talking about that other development that was in a different County, like yeah. that won't even count as a comp because it's in a different County. Oh, so geez. there are a lot of like hurdles with finance, um, and that's why we want to do it in phases and we're going to be able to pull some equity from our um, house and our rentals to be able to to do the infrastructure, which we have to do most of that in phase one, like most of the septic. I think we can get away with not doing the full septic, mm-hmm. um, but we will have to do the full well, full electric. So there's a lot that goes into it up front, even in that phases. Mm-hmm. Um, but dividing that a lot of stuff up front that makes zero money while you're at it, you know, like, and so I figured it out though, that like with, if we started with six of the units, we could divide that infrastructure cost among those and we'll still be good compared to like the rentals in the County, like Mm -hmm. comparable if you add that in, but there's just like a lot, again, there's a lot that goes into it. And then it's like, when do you start talking to a bank? Because they won't even start talking to you until you get it approved with the township. So it's like, you have to spend all this time and money 
before you can really even talk to a bank. I mean, you can start yeah. those conversations, but they're really not. I did, I did, I did not know that. That's, that's yeah, interesting. interesting. And again, that could be like in my area, but like that's what we experience. And then a full business plan. So like putting a lot of time and effort into that of like, what are the, what do you think it's going to make? They still want to know that it's going to make profit and you still have to make sure that you're going to be able to cover um, expenses with that downtime of getting mm -hmm. things um, built and, and occupancy rates and things like that. So, yeah. so I don't, I hope I'm not discouraging. I feel like sometimes I'm the killer of, no, this is so good because it's <laughs> actually like, it's always so much like what drives me crazy about podcasts is all the bullshit fluff. They're just like, Oh yeah. You just like talk to the County and then you go and do it. And it's like, well, how, like we need some like specifics. So this has been amazing. Okay, um, but I with... do feel that way. Sometimes I'm like, I, I always like talk to people, and I'm like, did you talk to this person? Did you do this? What did, did you think about this? And I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, I didn't mean to squash your dreams. I'm just trying to be realistic. And I've also been through it. So Yeah. So you're, you're talking about phases. So is the plan then you mentioned six of them, but you may have up to 18. So like phase one would be infrastructure, six units. Would you then hopefully try to get that appraised once it's up and running and then cash out refi to then build more? Is that kind of the idea? I don't know, actually, like if I think we're hoping that between like our rentals that we like our nine rentals and those six rentals that we'll be able to generate money. Mm. And we've talked to our builder about clearing like you can clear the spaces for the other future cottages and then like put some covering down so then okay. you're not like going in and like being destructive again yeah. so we're hoping that if we did that like then we could kind of be like okay now we can do two or now like or maybe at that point we're like this is something that we're seeing is making enough money like let's now go to a bank like we've okay. shown them that we have these six units we're showing profit mm -hmm. let's go to a bank or yeah pulling some equity out mm -hmm. um we haven't really thought that far down, but there's been some thought of like, how do we, how do we do it where we're not impacting the guests too? Because we don't want to have the six and then uh, yeah. building yeah. while there's people staying there. So we want to try to be very, and again, that comes down to your builder and like, if they have the, the thought about that and like the respect to make sure that kind of like thinking really what it comes down to. And I think this happens a lot with short-term rentals too, is like you really got to think through all of those like crazy details as much as you can in advance to make sure that you are smooth in the process. And so some yeah. of it seems a little silly, like talking about a pool was like kind of driving me crazy. Cause I'm like, I don't even know when we're going to put a pool in, but I had to like talk through it in detail to get it all approved in yeah. advance. But the good thing is, is now we're approved. Like I don't yeah. have to go back and, do anything like we really thought through what is this going to look like at the very end not yeah. in the phases basically that's amazing yeah are you are you part of heather blankenship's uh group by chance yeah. Um, uh, the, the RV park, uh, the, she does a lot of like resorts, RV parks and stuff. I'll send you, uh, her Instagram, but Olivia Tati, she's a girl that we've had on a, on the podcast before. And she's just like, kind of like got her fingers into everything. And, uh, she's part of Heather's group and Heather, like 
she made all of her money off of like RV parks and then transitioning them into like bigger resorts and like how she, I think she bought her first one for 5 million and it was like right after the financial like crash and they gave her a non-recourse loan with 0% down. She just was able to take it, like take the loan, which was insanity. And so then she went there, she lived on the property uh, with her two kids and her husband at the time. And uh, they just kind of like spruced it up. They added more pads. They did this, whatever, whatever. And I think she said that property now is producing 10 million gross per year. I believe just that one property, which is madness. And she has a uh, a women's only group that she does that she talks kind of like about this stuff. She's probably like the closest person I can imagine being aligned with you and like the stuff that you're doing. So I don't have a direct connection with Heather, but Olivia does. So maybe we'll try and link you two up because I think I you would that. be like in that group, like to a T. Um, yeah, I'm, I have a call with Olivia. I have a call with Olivia later today. She's nice. doing my interior design. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little background on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's like the thing too is I'm sure you could hire people to do like I'm very involved in mm. everything. When you talk about interior design too, like I love like thinking about all the details and like going really deep into all that stuff. So it probably takes a little bit longer, but I like. I like being involved in all of that stuff. So yeah. that's even with the building stuff, like it's hard for me. I can't just like let it like sit back. I'm like very involved in like yeah. the day to day of what's going on and if it's getting things are getting put up right. And yeah, um, like yeah. we were talking I, about before we even get on, like just even the details of like outlets and <laughs> where all the electrical goes. And there's just so much that. Um, yeah. goes into it and it can be overwhelming it's definitely decision fatigue because most of the things that you have to make decisions on like you said weren't are not money making or are the like things that people don't think about and then you've got all the stuff that people actually visually see and yeah so. yeah absolutely that's amazing well this i me and yoni already in the background decided that you're coming back for a part two whenever things are moving along a little oh bit God. more because we need to, <laughs> we need to know how this is going this is amazing we this has been by far one of our favorite podcasts we've done because this is, you know, right up a lot of people's alley. A lot of people want to do what you're doing, but they don't know anybody that's doing what you're doing. And so I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value and I think a lot of people are going to be reaching out to you. So uh, let's just do yeah, I would lo love to like chat more with people and like help encourage people, not just be the killer of the dreams, but actually like <laughs> encourage and help and. See you can them. kill it a little bit and then lift it up. Like, this yeah, is what you're doing right. wrong. This is what you can do right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right. So just a few quick closing questions then. So uh, we, we mentioned like podcast, book, or YouTube channel. Who's somebody that you've kind of like, but I mean, you were kind of like before all of the, the influencers were coming around, but like who's some people in the industry right now that you're kind of looking up to that other people could maybe go follow if they wanted to get some good content other than following you? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think like, Honestly, what's been like the most helpful this last year has been joining my like a mentorship group where I met you, David, and like really meeting other individuals that are in my community that give me new perspectives. So like that's been like, I didn't really follow like people that you're even mentioning. And I feel like that's happened a lot this year of like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, I just was not in that realm. And so now being able to like follow you guys and then be introduced to people that you guys um, are, you know, connected to has been really helpful. I do, um, I do love listening um, to podcasts. I, d I read the Buy Back Your Time book, which was like pretty impactful 
last mm. year to try to make sure that I can not just replace my time with other things that don't matter, that aren't moving me forward. Um, so I would say that's a big one. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm just kind of getting into like following people, which is good and bad. Like it kind of overwhelms me mm. <laughs> a little bit to, to be exposed to what everyone else is doing. Cause I need to make sure that I'm staying true to like what I well, I think you're you're like one of the rare unicorns in the short-term rental world to where you were like in it before, you're doing incredibly cool shit, and you haven't really been talking about it much. Usually it's somebody does like one cool thing and they start just blasting it everywhere and they're not actually... <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's, I think that that's what's happening in 2024. It's like, I want to be able to share more of this, and that's why like coming on a podcast is great. But it's like that fine balance of like, I never want to like... I don't know. It's been so, I've just had my head down, but now I'm like, I do want to share this. And now that I have a team, I'm able to share that. I have my own mentorship that I have. And so it's like, I want to be able to give back and start like sharing that, but it's always that fine balance of like, I don't want to feel like I'm like bragging about anything. And I mm. also feel like I'm always learning and trying to learn new things. And as you can tell, I'm always like, Oh, now I've mastered this and so I'm going to do a development. So it's always like, I feel like I'm don't know what the hell I'm doing to be honest. So yeah. sometimes it feels hard to like share that stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm learning yeah. like even just getting employees, like the year I went through it just was a lot. And so I always felt like I wasn't accomplishing things or I wasn't doing things right. When really, when I'm looking back, it's like, no, you just had to learn. And like, I always have to learn things the hard way. I sort of have to like experience it. And so mm -hmm. Sometimes that can feel challenging. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on so I can well, share more of this. And Well, that, that actually kind of digs us into our, our last little section, which is like, what kind of things are going on in your life right now? What maybe some like troubles or struggles that you're having in your business? How could our listeners help you? And what's the best way for them to get a hold of you, follow you? Where can they follow you? Yeah, so I am trying to post more. I did start my own I have my Instagram channel that's Roos North Rentals, so that's where all of our like nine rentals live. And then I started my Carrie.Dryer page that's new, and I'm starting to like try to talk more on my stories and just share some of the stuff. I really want to be intentional. Like, I'm glad you said that about me just being real about stuff. Like, I really drives me crazy when people are like, you can run rentals in two hours a month or whatever. And <laughs> that's just not been my experience and like the things that I've done. And so I really just want to show up in that way where it's like, yeah, you can still accomplish great things, but um, there's, here's the real side of it. So yeah, yeah follow me on either of those Instagram channels. Um, I also have the R&R &R Hospitality Instagram that we can do if you, if anyone's looking for property management, um, they can go over there. But yeah, just connecting with me on DMs. Like I'm really love when I get people messaging me right now. I know that will probably eventually feel Maybe overwhelming, but right now I love like interacting with people, trying to help them um, in all those stages. And if you're local to the Traverse City area, I'm always up for like coming and walking through your place or having coffee or whatever. I love that stuff because I, I get excited and I always learn something from someone else too. Well, and, and last thing, if anybody does want to directly learn from you, is there a way for people to do that? Yeah, so I do have a group mentorship program. We've launched our first one. We're in like week four. Um, we're gonna do another one in March. 
And we're taught, we have some people in there that are doing some smaller developments, but I think I'm going to rework it a little bit. Now that I'm realizing what people want out of me, I'm like, we should probably focus some more on building and development in there too. Um, but my mentorship's more focused for people that already are in the rental game. I know a lot of the mentorships are for people that are just starting to get up, get into it or want mm. to get into it, but mine are for people that one of the people that are in there already has like a property management company and then someone else has three rentals and is going to build more. So I'm kind of looking for people that are turning it into like an actual business, like looking to hire people, kind of take it to the next level. So nice. you can connect with me on Instagram about that too. And I would be willing to do some one-on-one -on -one stuff if people were really interested, if they had a project. Amazing. Amazing. So if you have a few short-term rentals and you're like, wow, I kind of like this. This is pretty cool. And I'd love to do way more cool shit. Get a hold of Carrie and she'll teach you how to do all the cool shit. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yoni, anything else before I get you out of here? Carrie, let's connect on a group chat. I think we'll, we'll have a lot to bond over. Oh, a hundred percent. David and I already talked, what, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. And yeah, it was supposed to be like yeah. a twenty-minute call, and we were like two hours. <laughs> I, I have so much, I have so much crazy shit to tell you about. Just care. Yeah, right. no, I want to hear it all. So I would love that, and that's like been so fulfilling to me, honestly. Like being on group chats or calling or anything like that. So for sure, I would love that. And yeah, I love. I'm so passionate about it, and I. And it's fun to be around people that are also going through that, and it feels good like good and bad like i want to hear about the bad stuff i want to hear about the good stuff and then get excited like david's future project that's what we were geeking out about and mm -hmm. i get geeked out for people that are excited about that stuff so amazing that's love great it. david take us home love it all right everybody this has been one of the best episodes of the fetch podcast we've ever had thank you very much for listening peace